0: Let's see, the, part, the bottom part is, <laughs> hey, good evening, I hope you all are doing okay. It's a little after 7 o'clock, so we'll get started. Um, we're going to be talking tonight about uh, you can keep yourself unspotted from the world. We're going to be looking at James chapter 1, uh, verse 27. But before we do that, uh, let's go together in prayer. If you would. Heavenly Father, we come before you, thanking you for this day which was not promised to us. Father, we thank you for watching over us while we slept in a slumber last night and not letting any hurt, harm, or danger come to us. We thank you for the rain that, that we received. We hope and pray that everyone made it through the traffic safely. Um, you know, we realize there were some accidents, and, and for those that were injured, we ask that you be with them, that they may have a speedy recovery. Thank you for this congregation as a whole, and we also thank you for the leadership that we have here that you, we ask that you continue to put your arms around them and comfort them and help them lead in a way that will be pleasing unto thee. We thank you for the word that uh, we're going to talk about tonight, and we hope that everything that we do and say here this evening will be well pleasing unto thee. These things we ask in thy son's name. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, you can keep yourself unspotted from the world, and I can tell you uh, if you haven't prepared a lesson uh, for this, it, it really... Uh, makes you do a little uh, introspect, uh, take an introspective look at yourself when you start studying and looking at things like this. And I started looking at all the stuff that we're not supposed to be doing. I'm like, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, everything's in there, but it's what we're supposed to do. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, and it, it talks about prayer, too. So we're going to talk about that as well. But in the King James Version, uh, James uh, chapter 1, verse 27, is talking about uh, pure, undefiled uh, uh, religion. Uh, before God and the Father, and it gives uh, two, really kind of two tasks. It talks about visiting the fatherless, the orphans, and also the widows in their affliction and to keep ourselves or oneself unspotted from the world. You know, the lesson talks about being in the world uh, but not of the world uh, with that. So, and it also, the lesson gave a description about the world, and, and when most people think about that, they think about the created world, you know, the trees, the flowers, the rivers, you know, things like that, and what's an in inhabitant of the universe. So God made all these things, and he was, he was pleased with them, but he addresses how uh, men have strayed away from God, and, and a lot of that came from how selfish we become sometimes, you know, we don't put God first. And then he talked about um, the many inventions and uh, to his own hurt. He talks about how proud and um, despiteful men can be. And then uh, given himself, we Talk about man giving himself over to his own selfish desires and ruling God out of his life. And so how do you think we do that? Uh, and, to, and when we apply this in today's life, how do you think we do that, where we put ourselves first rather than God? Anybody can answer that. <laughs> Work, work is one. I find myself doing that sometimes. You have to really be, you know. I was telling Bill when I was sitting in the office tonight, and I was like, oh, "I got to go. I got to get out of here." And so, I actually got stopped on the way out, but I did not go back. You know, in the past, I would have said, "Okay, I'll go take care of that, but I'll just get it in the morning if the Lord says the same." But work is one. What, what about another way we put ourselves before God? What about family? Put their families before. I, I was very, you know. Uh, I guess humbled and, and, and proud of the comment that Juan made uh, when they had their daughter. came up and asked for prayer about, please don't let me put them before you, you know, my daughter before you, uh, which really probably a lot of parents could really say that and ask for prayer on that because I've never seen anything stronger than a parent's love for their child. Yes, sir. Entertainment. Entertainment. You know, they talk about... Um, when you go to football games, how energetic people are. And then sometimes when you go to, to see them worship, they want to fall asleep. So uh, entertainment can be one. Money, people put money. They want, to, they want to have money as opposed to, and then don't want to give any. They want to keep it for themselves and not give back. Church. So um, when we talk about the world and, and the evil behaviors of man, it suggests evil which results from the influence of the devil in man's heart the evil and sinful thoughts, and the actions and behaviors of man. So we're going to focus on this area, man's selfish desires and how to accomplish them. That's what uh, the the lesson is about, you know, man being selfish, and then how we go out to accomplish things to our selfish desires. So we look at worldliness, and I I looked up Google to to give a definition of this, and it says uh, concern with material values or ordinary life rather than a spiritual existence. And I think that most of us, if not all of us, find ourselves at times guilty of doing that. But, you know, that's the good thing about being able to come back and realize that we are doing it. And so we pull back and try to put God first. So worldliness also uh, is the greatest hindrance of our spiritual, spiritual development. You know, as I mentioned before, we talk about being in the world but not of the world. So there are three ways that uh, worldliness can be a hindrance to us. So it hurts one's personal progress and influence in his community. And how do you think that is? Trying to bring someone to Christ or trying to teach them about salvation. How do you think the the worldliness in our lives is going to impact that? Think someone's going to follow us? You know, if uh, we're like uh, drinking a lot, you know, using drugs just to make ourselves feel good, and we're trying to tell them about the salvation and, you know, what they can do to be saved? Do you think they want to follow me if I'm doing that? What do you, how do you think they're going to look at me if, if I'm drinking, cursing, using drugs at one point, and then two minutes later I'm over here trying to tell you what you need to do to be saved? A hypocrisy, hypocrisy, that's what it is. They're saying he's being a hypocrite. And I actually had a guy uh, when I was in uh, junior college that did the very same thing to me. Now, I was already a child of God, so it didn't really matter to me, but what he was saying really wasn't uh, the found doctrine anyway. But he, was, he came up to me, and you could smell alcohol in his breath. And I knew that he used drugs. And the way he was acting, he couldn't even stand still to tell me. And I really had an exam coming up. I was trying to study for that exam before um, my next class. And so I politely asked him, hey, uh, can we talk about this later? I have an exam coming up. I need to finish going over these notes. And the guy cursed me out and walked away. And I'm like, what happened to that stuff you were trying to say before? But he, was, he wasn't in his right frame of mind but they will look at that as being a hypocrite. So then one other way that I talk about it says it weakens the power of the church in the community. So uh, kind of the same thing. It, it shows a lack of faith, a hypocrisy, and we're not leading by example. Nobody's going to want to come here if they think we're not benefiting from it as well to, to show that we're being a Christian or trying our best to be a Christian and do what's right. So if you're trying to talk someone into um, coming to uh, Bible study, whether they're coming to um, a gospel meeting or whatever, they're not going to want to come if they don't see it, it now. And it's something about people that are Christians. Um, I worked with a guy when I was over in Fort Worth at the Lockheed Martin facility there. I didn't know this guy who went to a church of Christ. But we were talking one day and, and somehow he mentioned somebody I knew at that church and I said, hey, do you go over to uh, It was uh, they just moved not long ago. It was a church of Christ over there um, off of Cherry Lane they were at the top of the- Maybe that was, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I said, hey, I thought something was different about you. I didn't know that, but he mentioned that, and that's how we kind of started talking, and you kind of see that. And it gets hard sometimes, even on the job where people come in and they'll push you, buttons, and, and kind of like kids sometimes, they ask for things they know they can't get, Are you not going to be able to do it if they still ask for it, and just to see your response. Yeah, you're right. You're right. you're right. you're right about that. Yeah, they try the Lord. That's right. And then the third way that worldliness kind of impacts us is that it becomes a stumbling block to the sinner who is turned off by a bad example. So we should be trying to save people you know, from their sins. And so if you go out there, and, and a lot of people you know, will look down on people that are not like us. You know, I've seen people come here, and I really admire the way the fact that we treat them with respect you know, when they come here. We don't say, hey, you need to go bathe or you need to put on some decent clothes or you look different. But a lot of times you, you find people like that um, and nobody wants to talk to them. Or if, if they come in and they sit by Robert and Robert moves over down here to this end, I mean, that's not really setting a good example either you know, for that. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if you all <laughs> heard Bill over there. He's talking about people coming in and, and somebody's saying, uh, well, the visitor's already here. So you walk in and you say, you're sitting in my seat. You know, that's happened. Uh, you know, I've seen looks here, but I actually, I actually heard somebody say that at the church I used to go to. Uh, my father did that once with, <laughs> at North Fendinghall Church of Christ in Tyler, and my mother heard him. And she told him, you don't have a seat here. You let these people sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad used to like to sit on the corner because he wanted to put his leg out. On the corner, but she had to kind of educate him on that a bit. And the, the guests kind of laughed. They really thought it was kind of funny because my dad was older at the time. They thought it was kind of funny, so they did come back. So Bill was talking about setting an example your neighbor's watching you. So, so if they see you going to church all the time, they will see that. But if they don't see you going all the time, they might question hey, you don't go all the time. Why should I go? So it could, it could become a stumbling block to the sinner uh, who's turned off by a bad example. So let's talk about the characteristics of the world uh, from a Bible perspective. So, in, in 1 John um, chapter five, verse nineteen, it talks about uh, you know the world lying in wickedness. It Tells us that this, and there's a lot of things going on in this world. I mean, it's, I thought it was bad when I was coming up, but as I keep living, like it's getting worse. You know, as far as things out there, what people believe in, um, you know, the sanctity of marriage is all different now for some people, um, and they think nothing of it. And when I say different for some people, these are like 15-year-olds on up. I mean, nothing means anything to them. It's like there's no morals anymore. Um, They don't believe in disciplining children. I've seen people talking to children like they were adults, like, um, now the reason why I want you to eat your food is because it's good nourishment for you. That's why you must eat it. When I came up, boy, well, you better eat your food. <laughs> Don't get up from that table until you get done. And I didn't question my parents about it. I've even seen a case where um, the grandmother was out with her grandson. who was about three or four, and he wanted to play uh, The Machines over there at the, at the movie theater. And she told him she didn't have any change for him to play. And he goes, and he pulls her, you do have money, you do have money. And he pulls it until she gives it to him. And the people in the line were furious with that. They thought the kid should have been spanked, but she gave in to him. So it's just different. Um, it talks about in First John two uh, verse seventeen about the world is passing away. We know it's going to pass away, but people think like they think it's going to be here forever. But the world is passing away. And then in Matthew chapter thirteen verse twenty-two it says, "Its, de- it's deceitfulness chokes out the word, causing unfruitfulness." And it will cause you to do that. You know, if you want to do something, uh, let's just say if you know a family is in need, but you want to go out to eat. You're not starving. You want to go out to eat. You've had your mind on going out to Kincaid <laughs> you know, all day. So someone stops you and asks you, can you, can, can you go help this family out? It's like, nah, I have my mind going out, going out to eat. I'm going to go out to eat. Well, that's blocking you from helping them. You don't know by helping that family, you're going to make them want to know, hey, why did you help me? Why are you so different than most people? And that's an opportunity for us to share Christ with them. So we don't know if we're going to be able to do that if we have the world worldly view in us and we're going to focus on worldliness and not what's best for Christ. So then it talks about um, in the world. It says it has the broad way that leads to destruction, in Matthew chapter seven verse thirteen. And then in James chapter three verse fifteen, it says its wisdom is earthly sensual, and devilish. That's what's in the world. Kind of makes you wonder why we want to be here, but, uh, but that's what's in the world. But we're here to set an example, not to conform to the world, but, but be transformed with that. So it says, when, when John out, when John thought of the evil in the world, he classified it in three categories, um, and they were the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And there's another passage I want to look at too uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, uh, Eve saw that the forbidden fruit was pleasant to the eyes. Again, the eyes. And it said, that she also saw that it was good for food. And it was said to be desired to make one wise. So you kind of see a trend uh, going there with that. But if you look at all the sins, you can really almost kind of put them in each one of those categories. Uh, lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, through the word about, uh, though the the, the, word of, uh, the world above about us is evil, it is our abiding place uh, until this life is over. So we're going to be here. We're going to have to deal with it and try to change the world, you know, get people to conform to us and not uh, we conforming to them. And a lot of times it's really kind of hard to do that. Do you find yourself sometimes giving in to uh, your peers you know, we, uh, sometimes we'll end up doing that. We'll go out and friends will start cursing, and then next thing you know, you're cursing, or, you know, your friends will start drinking a lot. Next thing you know, we're drinking a lot, you know. But we've got to make sure that we don't fall into that, that we're the ones set an example and say, no, nah, I'm good, I don't need any of that. You know, I just don't do it. So it says, since it is our realm of influence, so what are some things we can do as a light in a world of darkness? What are some things we can do to kind of help shed some light in the world to keep people from sinning? We can be a light. We can be a light to those uh, of around us and about us. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. And then as we talked about before, this is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, uh, we can refuse to let the world uh, set our standards and not be conformed uh, to the world. And so the rest of that verse says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we just got to make sure that we stand strong with that, that we don't let people actually um, change us and, and make us start conforming to what they're doing. Right. That is correct. You know, if you all didn't hear that, it'd be, you'd be surprised that people will respect you when you stand up for what's right. You know, there, there are people now that um, if they're going to do something wrong, they don't even bring it to my attention. And, and I don't want to know. I mean, just go do it without me. <laughs> don't get me involved with it, because if I find out about it, there's some things you have to report, and I'm going to have to report that. You know? So they don't even tell me, which I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being left out of that group. So it says here, too, uh, you will be in the world, but not of the world. That's in John chapter 17, uh, verses 14 through 15. So can, can anyone, or is anyone willing to share how you are part of the world, but not in the world? Right. Be like, That's a good one. Very good one. But how? Exactly. A lot of times, too, it depends on how I mean things happen. And my viewpoint is everybody's going through something. It just depends on how you deal with it. So people are watching us as Christians to see how we're going to respond to something. If someone curses you out, if someone cuts you off while you're driving, they're going to see how you respond to that. And what really, really is kind of humorous to me is when you see someone with a cross on the back of their car, and someone cuts them off, and they're like blowing and throwing their finger and everything. I'm like, who put that cross on your bumper? Did you do that, or did you buy a used car, and the, and the cross was there when you bought the car? So people watch that kind of stuff. I mean, even my nephews, I mean, they, the kids will pay attention to what you're doing. And those of you with small kids, you probably already know that. Uh, <laughs> they, will, they will pay attention to what you do and what you say. And then when they repeat it, you think, where did they get that from? That's right. You know, they'll see it one time and they'll get it. They'll, they'll get it. They'll pick it up. Yes, sir. That is true. I mean, we've got we to make sure we're being genuine. Um, we cannot be a hypocrite. they got to see. And I know we're only human. I mean, the Bible tells us we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we have to really do the best we can to make sure we're, we're putting forth the best example that we can. But it gets hard sometimes. I don't, I don't know about you all, but it gets hard sometimes to go do that, especially um, some people. Um, but I really have to step back and and just say a little prayer, take a deep breath. And and I've had to go back and apologize, too. I'm not going to lie about that. I've had to go back and apologize. Hey, we were in a meeting earlier. I said this to you. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Um, Again, we're we're only human. (laughs) The Bible does say you can do it. I mean, the book does say you can do it. And you can do it. Uh, You just have to work with it sometimes to go go make that, at least for me, anyway. So uh, one of the things we can do here, too, it says we will deny ungodliness, and worldly lust, as uh, we live soberly, righteously, and godly in this, in the, in this present world. So, so we have to make sure that we're studying and that we are really aware and practice what the Bible says, and that will help us to be strong. There's always, um, I'm going to be uh, doing the devotion tonight as well, and so there are some scriptures that I use that really kind of help me sometimes dealing with things. If I just stop, about and, think of, stop and think about what that scripture says, Amazing how I can! Oh, I got this. I can do this, as opposed to responding in a worldly way. So we'll talk about that during the devotion. But we really have to make sure that, that we try to avoid that. It, you know, we we hear all the time about hanging out with Christian friends, people that's going to help you on your Christian journey, and not someone, you know, going out hanging out with a gang. You know, when I was over at um, Lake Como Church of Christ, I was uh, working with the youth uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth, and. Um, We had an event where we had the Dallas police come out and talk to the students. And so they asked the question, how many kids in the audience had friends that were uh, members of a gang? And I would probably say 70% of those students raised their hand. Shocked me. (laughs) I'm like, wow. And so um, the lady asked uh, one of the kids, why are you friends with a gang member? response was, a friend is a friend. You know, I can't turn my back on my friend. She didn't. I think she was a sheriff or something at the time. And she said, well, do you know that if a gang member wants to retaliate against another gang member, if you're riding around with that gang member, they're not going to say, can you stop put this person out before I shoot you? They're just going to start shooting. and You're going to have an innocent life that goes to waste. And none of them talked about trying to teach those gang members about Christ. I have some family members that um, have been in trouble with the law, and they may still be getting into some trouble, I don't know, but I'm very cautious. I, I don't disassociate myself with them, but I'm very cautious when I do things with them. I will meet them places versus having them riding in my car, or me riding in their car. And I try to make sure it's a place where I don't think anything is going to go down, <laughs> you know, while we're there. But you have to be careful about that. Um, so that's an example, my example of being in the world but not of the world with that. So uh, if we're going to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, we will need uh, strong convictions about what is evil and great determination to overcome it. We will need um, the following. We're going to talk about this. So the first thing we're going to need is self-discipline of abstinence. And there are some things we can look at with that uh, fornication, which is covered in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, fleshly lust, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and abstaining from all appearances of evil, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 22. It talks about self-discipline. Um, how, how do you suggest that we do that when it talks about abstinence from fornication, fleshly lust, appearance of all evil? How do we do that? Don't associate with them. Educate ourselves in scriptural teachings. I would agree. Well, that's a good one. That's, I mean, not, not that the others aren't good, but that's really good. But if you don't... <laughs> The was like, yeah, right. <laughs> no, if, you, if we're really busy, uh, you won't have time to think about some of those things. Kind of stay focused. It's, you know, when you're just lying there, not doing anything, oh, what am I going to do? Things may come to mind uh, with that. The, uh, but I, I will say, when I was an undergrad in college, uh, I went over to uh, Eastland Church of Proveston, um and every time I would think about doing something that was wrong, I don't know, it seemed like the minister would preach about it that Sunday. You know, I was like, all right, okay, I got you. you. know, Like he was just talking to me, but that was one of the things that kind of helped me get through college without getting into trouble, because you have friends there that they got into trouble, drugs, things like that, and there's a lot of peer pressure, even in high school now, though. But uh, in college there, there's peer pressure, but it was kind of helping me to abstain from a lot of things that were out there. So the second thing that we're going to need is as the good judgment to flee from what we cannot conquer, overcome. Which sometimes I think we don't realize that we won't be able to do that. You know, we think that we can conquer it, overcome it, and we may, may not be strong enough. Take an alcoholic. Um, if you're an alcoholic, why go to a bar? Why put yourself through that? You know, you know you want to drink. Why are you going to go there where a drink is all over all over the smell it when you walk in? So, in that, it talks about um, fleeing from idolatry in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, verse 14, and flee youthful lust, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. So, we're going to need self-discipline of abstinence, good judgment to flee from what we cannot conquer or overcome, and another thing is to desire to follow the things which make us strong, which is kind of what Bill was leading to earlier. So, things uh, which make for peace. In Romans chapter 14, verse 19. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, it says, and the latter part of that says, and follow your after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So if we do that, like I said, if you study, um, it'll really kind of help you. If you can kind of find some scriptures that really bring you strength when you need it and just kind of call back on that prize, the kind of peace, You know, when things are going bad, a loved one gets in a car accident or a loved one gets sick or they have cancer, doing everything you can to take care of them, call back on that piece to kind of, you know, and and find strength to get through that. A lot of you have been caregivers or maybe someone was taking care of you, but I can tell you um, to be a caregiver really takes a lot out of a person and, and the caregiver will do what they need to do. And in my particular case, I didn't realize how tired I was and how much it was taking out of me. My brother had passed away, and I came back home, and I walked in, and I just fell on the sofa, and went was just 12 hours, which is not normal for me, but I didn't realize that I was so tired, but you keep doing what you need to do, because you know it needs to be done. So it also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity, and then it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, uh, follow the steps of Jesus, If we do that. And then a the fourth thing that we're going to need is, is the courage to fight for what is right and against what is wrong. Don't just give in. You know, you hear Robert preaching all the time about you can't just accept what's out there. If you see something that's wrong, you can't just be going along with it. You know, there's, um, we have um, ethics at work. I mean, most people have an ethics department at their jobs or HR. And so the thing is, is now about the LBGI, what the acronyms are but they're welcoming that in the workplace and they're expecting everybody to work with them, No, which is okay. So um, I was having a session with my team and there were about 50 people in there. So, uh, and there is one lady in there who has a desire for other women. Most people know that, but not everybody knows it. And so um, we were talking about you know, accepting people for what they are and, and working as a team one lady uh, raised her hand and said, I don't care what they do. My mom would teaching me that's wrong. I'm not working with them. I don't have anything to do with them. I'd only been in this position about three months. And I'm thinking, this girl is going to put me on the spot like this. Because people are looking at me as a leader. How is he going to respond to that? And so I just really came back and said, I'm not asking you to adopt what others believe in. I'm asking you to work with them as a team. The employees here and the company expects that and we have to work together as a team. So the lady came up and thanked me for the um, with that, but, you know, I didn't really say that I believed in it, and I, of course, I could get fired, I guess, if I said the wrong thing, but um, we have to get the courage to fight for what is right and, and against what is wrong, so in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith, and then in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, uh, one of the things to mentioned there, it says, fight against the forces of evil, and there's a lot of evil out there to go look at, and then uh, fight against the wiles of the devil, know, the deviousness, cunning, and manipulating uh, things that are out there. There are people out there that will try us. When I uh, was baptized, some of my high school friends uh, knew that, and it was amazing how they tried to tempt me to do things that were wrong, like you are saying, they tempted Jesus and tried Jesus, tried to tempt me to do things that were wrong, but I was fresh out the water. I was good, you know, (laughs) like I'm good. I got this, but I was just kind of really challenged by the fact or shocked by the fact that how people were trying to get me to do wrong, like there was something wrong with me. So you have to, you have to fight that. And then it says, um, the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You have to really watch out for that. And then it says, fight the fiery darts of the wicked. So another thing we need is the diligence to watch and pray. We have to watch in all things, according to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Watch and be sober. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse six. Watch because your adversary, the devil, walks about seeking whom he may devour. How do you how do you guys see that? Do you think it's gonna be someone that actually looks like a devil that comes up and approaches you? How do you think that's gonna happen? Or how do you think it's happening? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They could be real nice. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Right. That can be anything. And they, those billboards look really good. They're LED now. You know, they make everything look, look refreshing and like, oh, I've got to try that. You know, it could be anything coming up to you. It could, be, um, it could really be anything coming up to you when it talks about the adversary of the devil walks around uh, about seeking whom he may devour. We just can't be weak enough to fall to that. Right? That, that's true. And we talk about um, when we look at counterintelligence and espionage and things like that at work. We tell these people that travel overseas, if you're some 72-year-old guy, bald, nothing wrong with that, but uh, you know, uh, big gut hanging on you and some attractive young lady comes up to you she's in her 20s, hey, you know, she doesn't want you. I mean, this, it's, it's, she's after something else. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so that's the devil. You know, like, like Robert's saying, it's not going to give you something that think you're not going to be attracted to, but you're, you're 72 years old, you got a 20, hey, she, she's after me, you know, hey, you know. And so we try to tell these guys, she's not after you, she wants something else. She's trying to get the information you have or, or something that you have that she wants. Yes, sir. That's a good point. And you bring that up, you talk about, I've seen that in some cases where you have someone who's married, a Christian who's married to a non-Christian. Sometimes you see that. And, you know, they, they became a Christian to marry the Christian, but they didn't hold out with it kind of converting back, and it's kind of a challenge sometimes. Yep, it be anybody. Yep. It also talks about uh, we got to pray as well and pray for our enemies. And I think you asked that, uh, I don't know if it was last Sunday or Sunday before last, you talked about do we pray for our enemies. And I'm thinking, uh, I don't uh, I start thinking, well, what would I pray about <laughs> you know, when I pray for these enemies? Um, I have prayed that I don't have to come in contact with them, deal with them, but I need to be praying for their salvation and praying that they find Christ. Yes, sir. Oh yes. Well, it could be a person claiming to be a Christian. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Um, I was telling Robert here some time ago that when I travel, especially in the northeastern part of the United States, uh, even though the sign outside may say Church of Christ, it is not always a Church of Christ. And I was running late as it was, because I didn't really know where the church was, I thought I'd made it there. I was only like five minutes late. I walked in. I hear a piano some ladies up singing, and I literally like to step back out and look back up to see if it was the Church of Christ, and it was. And there are some things that they do that that are traditional to the Church of Christ, but they've also, what they call contemporary now, kind of changed over a few things. So there are some Churches of Christ, Churches of Christ congregations that are switching over, and they can be false teachers. So it talks about uh, praying for ourselves, that uh, we are not into temptation, Um, we need to pray to give thanks. And then pray for other Christians, especially Christians that are being persecuted. You know, there are some countries where people can't study the word and can't even pray without being persecuted, praying for them. And then it talks about um, we need to have an unending hunger and thirst for the word of God. And that's really the key. I think if we study, get that, we might not be able to call a scripture by book, chapter, and verse. But you ought to know what some of them say, being able to apply that. Your lives, you have to be out in a situation. So it it talks about here, um, so we can save souls, that's in James chapter 1, verses 21. Um, It talks about, so that we may hide his word in our heart, that it may keep us from sinning against him, again, having the word here, no chapter, verse, book, chapter, and verse, but know the word, to have it with you. And then, so that uh, it may build us up and give us an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And then you, we, we read in the Bible, too, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it's talking about it is written. We should have a it is a, a written comment where people try to tempt us. say hey, don't tempt me. Tempt a God. No, I'm not going to give in to it either. We should be able to say that and stand up for it. Um, it says, so that we may know uh, for ourselves just what God has labeled a, a sin, uh, thereby enabling us to mark it, avoid it, shun it, and overcome it. So I'm not going to go over a lot of these. I only have a few minutes left here. But... There are some mentioned in Galatians chapter five, verses nineteen through twenty-one. It talks about adultery, fornication, um, being jealous, you know, wrath, uh, things like that. And also in um, Romans chapter one, verses twenty-nine through thirty-two, it talks about the unrighteous, sexual immorality. There are a lot of things out there. Uh, disobedience to parents. It talks about untrustworthy, uh, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. And it says those. Who practice such things or are deserving of death. Death. Um, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter ten, verses six through ten, it talks, talks about lusting, again fornication, uh, tempting Christ. Second um, Timothy chapter three, verses two through six, talks about being unholy, uh, false accusers, uh, despisers of those that are good. And you see that sometimes too, if you're trying to do what's right or trying to do good, people will talk about you, trying to make you feel like you're the wrong. And then Proverbs chapter six verses sixteen through nineteen, it says uh, six things the Lord hates. Uh, yes, seven are abomination to Him. It talks about the proud look, the lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So, from the scriptures I just gave you, it, it kind of helps us uh, show that it, uh, sin is defined, it's spelled out, it gives examples, and it, it's warning us against it. So, I hope this has been kind of uh, helpful here. And i uh, three minutes left, so just to give a quick summary. So, how do you think we can go out and, uh, and remain unspotted in the world? Take Christ with us? Study? Pray? Is that a good example? So what were the three categories of, of, of sin, of evil? Does anybody remember that? Other than Robert? He was ready to spit it out too, man. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> Pride of life, pride of life. Okay, the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. So if you remember those three categories, it can keep us out of a lot of trouble. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So just think about that. When we get ready to do something, is this lust of the flesh? <laughs> this lust of the eyes? Or is it the pride of life? Think about what the word says about that before we go out and do that. That is, a, yeah. Do you now? Do you do you find it easy to keep your heart right? Does anybody find it easy to keep the heart? right? <laughs> I tell you, you can have the. I'm gonna speak for myself. <laughs> yes, pray without ceasing, and that's good. So. Sometimes I have the, the best intention of doing what's right or saying the right thing. But somebody rubbed me the wrong way, and I, it's out there. But then again, I have to go back and apologize. But to me, I, I try to learn from that so I don't keep making that same mistake. You know, as I said earlier, in my opinion, everybody's going through something just depends on how they deal with it and how they respond to it can do it. <laughs> yes, sir. They do generalize. I realize that was a second bell, but, uh, you know, Bill made a comment earlier. It only takes one person in a congregation to run somebody off from, uh, draw from a congregation. It only takes one person. That's why we all have to do our part, you know, uh, to make sure we're friendly to people. Setting a good example Christ, of Christ, don't run people off. And that's it for me. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you would <will> let me. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay.